Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. It's good to see you. You sounded pretty amazing today, my friends. Uh, We've been in this series on the role and the function of the Holy Spirit in the life and the heart of the believer. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is the one that indwells us and empowers us for every single good work that we could possibly do. That he is the one that when Christ was ascending, he said, I'm gonna leave one behind that will be your comforter and your teacher. And that was the Holy Spirit. He described him as one of the same kind as himself. And what that means is, is in spite of whatever it is that you're going through in your life, you have somebody that is always present with you that will give you the source of sustaining power that you need to magnify Christ in your circumstances. And that's the Holy Spirit. There are fruit that come from being tapped into the Holy Spirit. If you think of like a car, you know, the, you have the frame of the car, but the Holy Spirit's like the engine. The Holy Spirit is like the source of power for the car. And when you're really tapped into the Holy Spirit, it says that there are just certain things that are gonna flow out of you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you're tapped into your flesh, other things are what's going to flow out of you. But we won't get into that list right now. We wanna know that we're really tapped into the work and the role of the Holy Spirit in our heart. He's the one that changes us literally from the inside out. And it's not just that you have that fruit of the Spirit in Scripture, and I'm gonna have you look at this here in just a second. There's another thing that the Holy Spirit can cultivate in us, and it's gratitude. It's gratitude. When you were kids and you were complaining about your food, and I know that that's not you, but probably the person next to you. When you were a kid and you were complaining about your food, did your mom ever say something like this? There are starving children in Africa that would love to have what is in front of you right now. Did anybody ever have that happen? Or maybe they would say Haiti or something like that. And you're like, wow, I mean, you're kind of laying it on thick right now. Well, I remember I was over at a friend's house and uh, he was complaining about the meal and his mom pulled the line and threw it on him. And I'm sitting right there, you know, think about the starving children in Africa. And he actually said this, he goes, well, then send this meal to them. And I was like, I think I need to go home. (laughs) As you can imagine, it didn't go well for him. Probably shouldn't either. But his mom was right. I mean, the key to gratitude is perspective, isn't it? The key to gratitude is perspective. Focusing on what you do have, not on what you don't have. And in scripture, if you look at Ephesians 5, 19 and 20, one of the things that you do when you are full of the Holy Spirit in your life is you spill over in gratitude for God. It says this, Paul says, we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We sing and we make music with your heart to the Lord. We did that today. But then he says this, and giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do we do that? Uh, Can you, without any mind to the circumstances that you're in, can you keep enough or hold enough of a perspective to say, I still have so much to be thankful for? That's something that the Holy Spirit can draw out in you. And it's important because Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. Pay attention. And I love this interpretation of it. He said, For people will love only themselves and their money, they will be boastful and proud scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. 
They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel. They'll hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They'll be reckless, be puffed up with pride. They will love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they reject the power that can make them godly. And then he says, stay away from people like that. Did you catch one of the things? That was quite a list, wasn't it? But did you catch one of the things that he mentioned in there? They were ungrateful. If you look at a number of Old Testament scholars, they go back into Genesis 3, and this is where you have the fall of Adam and Eve. God gives them everything. Enjoy this. Here's the trees of the garden, the fruit of the garden. I've already worked this for you. Hey, here's a wife. Y'all go and enjoy each other. Be fruitful and multiply. And then they look at the one thing that God had prohibited and said, but I want that. A number of Old Testament scholars would say one of the primary sins that was there wasn't just a matter of pride. It's that they were ungrateful for what God had done for them. This is the kind of place that a heart that lacks gratitude can take you. And so, you know what? I want to express some gratitude this morning. Are you all ready for it? Because I'm going to do it out loud. I'm thankful for a good steak. I I thought I'd just start on the easy thing. (laughs) You know. Uh, one of my girls was uh, being, having some tests in a hospital this week and she wasn't able to eat. We get done with the testing and uh, she was like, I'm hungry. And I said, let's go get something to eat. What do you want? She said, steak. I'm thankful for a good steak. I am. I'm thankful for water that you can actually drink because I've been in parts of the world where you can't. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for my wife and kids. I am. My, my home wouldn't be the same without them. I'm thankful. Uh, I'm thankful for people being gracious to me. I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag, my friends. I'm not perfect. I mean, you laugh, but I am not. I have plenty of flaws. I'm aware of a lot of them, but not all of them. But I'm thankful because people have given forgiveness to me over the years when I've made mistakes. I've needed it. I've needed forgiveness. We all have. I'm thankful, I just started to think, I am thankful for this church. I was was thinking about it. We we partner with Compassion International. They have this goal to end poverty in Jesus' name. You see 150 something thousand kids every year and their families profess faith in Jesus Christ because of that ministry. And here we do this at Woodridge and in the snap of a finger, 450 something kids were sponsored and adopted by people in this church so that they could have the food that they need, so that they could have the education that they need and so that they could get the health care that they need. We even went so far as putting a church in the Dominican Republic with a compassion project with another couple hundred kids. They're now in that project and they're off the streets and they have another way of life. And I just thought about that. I thought, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. I'm I'm gonna name names now. I'm not gonna get to all of you because we'll be here a long time, all right? Beth Mace. I was thinking about Beth Mace this week. You don't see it, but she teaches our kids every week. She comes up here every single week and redecorates her room for those kids. Every single week. She gives them 1,000% of herself and she wants to be ready when those kids come walking in. And it's not just a matter of prepping the room. She's praying over every kid that will occupy that space. I'm thankful for people like Beth Mace. May her tribe increase. I'm thankful for friends like Randy Broom and Brandon Lupke. 
God was kind to bring guys like that into my life. They will reach out, they will ask how I'm doing, they will pray fervently for me. We need people like that. I only named two, I have a lot more than that. They've been great friends to me. I'm thankful for so many of you who have prayed for my family. We've been through some really tough stuff, especially over these last couple of years. It just seems like it's just been one thing after another thing after another thing. And one of the things that Wendy and I have said is this, these people have stood behind us as we've tried to lead this place well and faithfully. You've been amazing. I, I, I'm, it's often the little things though too. You know what I mean? When you think about what to be thankful for, it's often the little things too. I, the other night after I cooked dinner, we were kind of sitting down at the table and I was just kind of looking at the girls around the table, my girls, and I was just thankful that we were eating. That's not a given in a lot of places in the world. And I wanted to know the Lord I wanted the Lord to know, like from, from inside of me, hey, thank you for this. You've taken care of us. I'm really thankful for Jesus. Uh, he is incredibly patient with me, and he is incredibly kind with me. But there is an unfortunate truth. Gratitude is a diminishing virtue. We don't see enough of it. And, and in fact, we see less and less of it. So I'm gonna get scientific with you here for just a second. There was a recent workshop that was sponsored by the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. And they uh, kind of did the newest and the hottest research on the practice of gratitude, people that actually practice gratitude. Here's what they found. Perhaps the most popular form of seeking happiness as they were interviewing people was through the accumulation of things. So that was the first thing that they found out is that people kept going after things, which meant we're in a very materialistic kind of culture because this was in the United States. And what they found was is, yeah, you buy things, but you buy things at a cost. It's going to come at a cost to you because a society that feels entitled to what it receives does not adequately express gratitude. You always walk around feeling like you're owed it. And seen through the lens of buying and selling, which is kind of where we're at in our mindset, that's even translated into the relationships that we have. Here's something for you, I get something back from you. And so what has happened is, is we started to view people as disposable. Well, as long as you don't serve me in the way that I need you to serve me, then I don't know that I need you in my life. And off they go and on to the next relationship that we could have. What they went on to say is that the lack of gratitude, it's not just that you might find it in one generation, it's almost like a virus. It passes down to the children in your home. So if mom and dad are not expressing gratitude or in fact are even modeling ingratitude, guess what the little kids pick up on? That this is the way to live life. And it's not just that they don't express gratitude for when people do kind things for them, it's that they come to expect it. I'm owed this. Alvin Reed wrote a great little book on gratitude. And he said this, he said, people who are ungrateful tend to be characterized by an excessive sense of self-importance, arrogance, vanity, and, and I love this line, an unquenchable need for admiration and approval. You're constantly having to feed into them. You need to be affirming me right now. No, you need to be approving me right now. And if you're not, you're doing something wrong because you're not giving them what they want. And what he said is, is they, they expect special favors and they, and they feel no pressure to give it back or to pay it forward. 
Rick Rigsby, who's a motivational speaker, a long time he had been professor at Texas A&M University, really a great guy, wrote a, 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 a book, Life Lessons from a Third Grade Dropout, which was a reflection on the impact that his third grade dropout daddy had on his life, which was a tremendous impact. Here's what he said. He said, you can tell that there's a lack of gratitude because it often shows itself through complaining. Know any complainers out there? All right, look to your right, look to your left. It's probably them. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I want, I want you to own your part today. If you're the complainer, here's what he said. There are three enemies to gratitude. He said, there's more, but there's no fewer than these three. Number one is greed. Number one is greed. We spend money on things that we don't need to keep up with people that we don't know. We're just greedy. Second, envy. We desperately want what other people have. And third is pride because it's all about me and I deserve this. The truth is when you think about it, humble people tend to be grateful people. Isn't that true? Humble people tend to be grateful people because there's a contentment in their heart. It's not the circumstances that make them grateful. It is their mindset about the circumstances that they are in. Here's the crazy thing about it. People that practice, and this is what the study went on to show, people that practice gratitude, it changes them. It changes them. Let me give you some examples here, just, just a few. Number one, gratitude opens the door to more and deeper relationships. Not only does saying thank you constitute good manners, because it does, but showing appreciation can help you win new friends. When people see that you are genuinely grateful for them being a part of your life, it deepens the connection that you have with them. And it's not just in terms of your friendships that you have, but it's when you are genuinely expressing gratitude for like in your marriage or in your children, just relationships in general. John Gottman is one of the top like marriage gurus in the world. And he said, he said, expressing gratitude deepens the bond in your marriage. He said, so express thanks to each other and express it often, especially since if we're not careful, we can be expressing to people how it is that they haven't measured up to what we wanted from them. Maybe a heart of gratitude is a better way to go. There was a story, I just loved it. There was a guy named John. He had been diagnosed with cancer. This, he lived out in California, Morgan Hill, California. John was known in his community as just being one of the most joy-filled people that that community had really ever seen. John was the kind of guy that it really didn't matter what was going on. He had a smile on his face. He had a song in his heart. And he genuinely just loved the people around him. But when John was diagnosed with cancer and his health was starting to fail, one of the things that he said was, he said he remembers coming home from a long day of treatment and he was getting in front of his house and he looked and his entire driveway had been colored by people in his church. They had written in chalk. They had written scripture across his driveway. They had colored and painted things for him. And at the bottom of it, it said, we just want you to know that we love you. And he said, I remember seeing that and thinking, wow, because his whole life, he was the guy that was doing that for other people. He was the guy that was doing it. He said, it seems that they just wanted to return the favor. And it changed everything for me that day. Gratitude opens the door to deeper relationships for you. Second, gratitude improves your physical health. Like I said, gratitude practically applied will change your life. 
Grateful people experience fewer aches and pains. They report feeling healthier than other people. There was a study going back to 2012 uh, that, that was proving this. And not surprisingly, grateful people are also more likely to take care of their health. They're just appreci appreciative that they're alive. They're thankful for that. And they realize I need to take care of myself. My body is a gift from God. I need to take care of myself. They typically exercise more often. They are more likely to do checkups, which is going to contribute to their longevity simply because they're thankful. Gratitude also improves psychological health. It reduces a multitude of toxic emotions. It's like taking toxic emotions, pulling that out and putting something positive in and saying, no, I wanna live like this. What the, the studies showed, there's a guy named Robert Emmons who's a leading gratitude researcher. I didn't even know that existed and I'm a researcher. What he did was he had conducted multiple studies on the link between gratitude and well-being, and his research confirmed that gratitude increased happiness and even reduced depression. When people literally didn't think about gratitude, but they practiced gratitude. They also found that gratitude, it enhances your empathy for other people. It reduces your aggression. What, what they found is even if you are being treated poorly by somebody, a truly grateful person is going to be less reactive about it and feel like they have to get people back for what they've done to them. They know how to forgive and to let things go. Do I have any people who don't know how to sleep out there? Because here's one for you. This is me. I struggle a little bit. It will help you sleep better. What they found is that for people that spend around 15 minutes a day journaling things that they're grateful for, 15 to 20 minutes a day, they were able to sleep better than they were before. Gratitude also improves your self-esteem. There was a study published in the Journal of Applied Sports Psychology. I did my research for you today, guys. You're welcome. They found that gratitude increases athletes' self-esteem, that gratitude reduces social comparisons. See, one of the reasons that we aren't as inclined to be grateful and our phones haven't necessarily been helpful is you go on social media and you see all of the things that people are posting and you see that your life isn't like that and so you start to compare. And comparison is basically a killer of gratitude. Gratitude also increases your mental strength. For years, research has shown gratitude, it not only reduces stress, but it also plays a role in overcoming trauma. Uh, let me give you an example. There was a study that was done on Viet War, uh, Vietnam War veterans that had uh, higher levels of gratitude, and it said that they experienced lower rates of post-traumatic stress disorder in spite of everything that they had been through. And even a 2003 study that was published found that gratitude was a major contributor to resilience following those people that were there at 9-11 when they saw the buildings fall. The main difference on how people handled the trauma that they had been through was the mindset that they chose to take and how they were addressing what they went through. Remember what Ephesians 5 said, that gratitude is something that the Holy Spirit can cultivate in you, just like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so forth. Given that this is a diminished virtue in our society, don't you think it's time maybe today to say, let's do it differently? Doesn't that make sense? Let's do it differently. So instead of being a complainer, replace it with gratitude. 
Gratitude helps you to see the rest of the picture, the rest of the story. There's always more going on than the little bit that we are focused on. And it doesn't mean that you don't have difficult circumstances in your life. You do. There's more going on, though. Take a hard look and express some gratitude for the, to the Lord. There's this passage in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Let me read it for you this morning. It's a familiar passage. It says, while traveling to Jerusalem, he, that is Jesus, uh, passed between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 10 men with leprosy met him. Now friends, that was tough. <laughs> That's tough to have anyway. But not only back then did you have to deal with the uh, effects, literally the physical effects of having leprosy, you were also a social outcast. You weren't allowed to walk around people. You weren't allowed to hug people. You, in fact, had to remove yourself from the village that you lived in and live basically in isolation from other people. Now, I know that some of you are introverts and I welcome you people because I'm one of you. I love people. I need to fuel up by kind of getting away. You know what I mean? However, even introverts need relationships. We need hugs. We need affection. We need those things. These were people that were not given those things. They were told, you need to step out and you're not welcome to be a part of us. That's what's going on with these folks. And it said, they stood at a distance. They're coming up to Jesus. They stood at a distance and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, the reason is, is because until the priests said that they were clean, they were not considered clean. So they were the ones that had to make it legit, so to speak. He says, so go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice, he gave glory to God and he fell face down at his feet and he was thanking him. I love this verse. And he was a Samaritan. Oh man, so you are taught. I was trying to figure out a good way to make this click, right? So right now the College World Series is going on. You have LSU playing Florida, right? Now imagine that you're an LSU fan for a little bit. You would probably replace this word right here and say, and he was a graduate of the University of Florida. It's almost like nothing good comes out of the University of Florida. It would be feeling like that. Oh, and he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus said, hey, weren't, weren't 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Where do they go? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told them, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. And so he went back to thank the one that allowed him to go forward with his life. He went back to give thanks to the one that let him go forward with his life. The other nine did not. Now, I don't wanna beat up on the other nine. I've had to wonder about this. The text doesn't say it. I'm like, well, why didn't they come back? I don't know. Uh, maybe they felt gratitude and didn't express it. Sometimes it's not that we lack gratitude, it's just that we lack expressing gratitude. You know what I mean? I, the text doesn't, doesn't tell us that. Maybe they got so caught up in the fact that they could go and be with people again that they didn't run back to Jesus, they just started running to people and never went back to the one that made them clean. I, I don't know, I don't have an answer for you there. 
What I do know is this, and I think Andy Stanley was right when he said this. He said, sometimes unexpressed gratitude expresses ingratitude. Maybe even if that isn't what you meant, that might've been what comes across. I don't know. But here's one thing I wanna ask this morning. Something I want you to ask kind of just inside of yourself because we see the importance of how the Holy Spirit can change us, right? And give us this heart of gratitude. My question is, are you struggling with gratitude? Are you struggling with gratitude and being thankful? I want you to remember Ephesians 5, 19 and 20 today. The Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to help to give you a grateful heart and to work on your heart of entitlement and to give you a heart of gratitude. It can really show up in a number of ways. You think about um, your marriage, for example, where it's just expected that your spouse do things for you, but you're not grateful for the things that your spouse does for you. That's a good way of applying what we're talking today. Or in your friendships, or with your coworkers. What are the kinds of things that we need to be expressing to people to show that we really see what they do and we're genuinely thankful for it? Because frankly, our life wouldn't be the same without it, would it? Just wouldn't. I wanna share a story with you this morning. And I got permission to share this because this one comes a little bit close to home for me. I'm gonna introduce you to my nephew. My nephew is Logan Evans. Um, there are times where Logan has visited the church and some of you have had the opportunity to meet him. Logan is 20 years old. Uh, he has special needs. Really just one of the coolest guys that you would ever wanna be around. Uh, his heart is so filled with joy. It just is. Um, Logan is the kind of guy that uh, reached out to his pastor a few years ago by email. And they're like, how in the world did you even find my email, man? <laughs> but he did, he found a way. He wasn't going to quit because he was reaching out to the pastor to say, I've given my life to Jesus and I'm ready to be baptized. Logan just makes a place happier. He just does. He sings all the time. Um, a little over a month ago, um, I got a message. I'm gonna try to make it through this. I have practiced, so I wouldn't do this, but a little over a month ago, um, I got a message and I had to step out of a meeting. Something is wrong and I got a video because I have a seizure disorder and like, we think see Logan is having seizures. Is he having a seizure? And I looked at the video and I was like, I, that doesn't look like a seizure to me. He was being rushed to the hospital uh, because they couldn't wake him up. And so I leave and I go over because my brother was out of town and my sister-in-law was the one that was with him. And so I haul it over there to get to the ER to be with them. And Logan was unresponsive. What they found is that Logan had had a massive stroke um, on the left side. And so really it wrecked his body. Um, he was, for the longest time, he was not able to talk. Uh, he wasn't able to uh, react to any kind of stimuli. He literally was just laying there. Um, you can imagine that that's difficult. And then even after he kind of starts to come out of it a little bit, he has special needs. He's having a difficult time processing because he's got tubes and everything wrapped around his face. And he's, he's scared to death for what's going on. Shockingly, he doesn't want to be there, <laughs> right? He's like us. He's like us. I was talking to my brother this 
last uh, Sunday and I said, look, I'm, I'm kind of tied up between church. I have to go home, clean up and I've got a wedding to do. I just wanna see how the day is going. How's Logan doing? And we are seeing some improvement and that's great. But this was the thing. He said, you know, we haven't been able to be at church and church means so much to him. It just means so much to him. But we haven't been able to be at church. And this was kind of the first day where Logan was with it enough that we were like, hey, do you wanna watch church? And he said, yeah. And so he's laying there, he's absolutely exhausted. And he's laying there, his left eye is completely turned in. Half of his body is not functioning. And he's laying there. And my brother is sitting next to him. And when they turn the worship service on and the people are singing, Logan starts singing with the people. And I remember talking with my brother and he got quiet and he just started to weep. And he said, for as much suffering as he has been through, he worships the Lord. He worships the Lord. He taught me something that day. The importance of gratitude. So much to be thankful for. And in spite of everything that my man has been through, he still sees God. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.